the Oscar goes and to. And the Oscar goes and the Oscar to. Goes to. My only object in being here is to try and get at the truth. What shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I could have been a contender. Fasten yourself. I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm gonna make him an offer. Oh, really? Love is is Love. too weak a word. Stay back. I, I love you. No, I love you. I, I love you. I did as you said. Don't lie. If there's something wrong, it's wrong with the instructions. This ain't reality TV! Respect it and validate it. Remember that you told me? It's time, Robbie! Welcome to the next Best Picture Podcast. It's time! Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 20 of the Next Best Picture Podcast. I am your host, as always, Matt Neglia, and today I've got Michael Schwartz. Hello. Mike Vermette. Hello, hello. And someone not named Mike, it is Kristen. Hello, everybody. So, guys, jam-packed week when it comes to the guilds. I mean, they started last week, but they came out in full swing this week. And we also have BAFTA nominations to go over. So there's a lot to really sift through in terms of what it all means for the Oscars. Because now, officially, as of this recording, ballots have been turned in. Voting is over. So whatever took place over this last week with all these guilds and the BAFTAs, this was it as far as being able to influence people's minds. And I've been hearing a lot of different things from a lot of different people, people claiming they know SAG voters and things like that, saying to me, oh, you know, people don't really love Emma Stone, but they love Ryan Gosling. Oh, I hear Amy Adams, you know, like all these different, different things. So... I wanted to start it off, first of all, let's just open things up for a bit here. How's everybody doing? Everybody doing good? (laughs) Hanging in there. It's been a long weekend. Yeah, Kristen, I know you saw three movies back to back to back, all of them, uh, Endeavors. Yes, yes. And I, I don't think you were high on any of them except for one, and it was the one that was least likely to land high with people, and that was, what, Live By Night? Yeah, Live By Night didn't I? I was sitting there thinking, everybody called this a big piece of shit. I'm actually... Okay, I, I do want to throw out, I'm the person that loves Gangster Squad. So I am a bit of an easy sell for these types of movies. Um, But yeah, I mean, I hate the book. Live By Night's a horrible book. Dennis Lehane at this point is just writing because he knows they'll adapt him. But honestly, I I was entertained. There's some big ass flaws that you can drive a truck through. Um, but I I had no problems with it. Yeah, I'm uh, according to what I know so far. I think Kristen and I are the only ones that have seen it. Is that correct, everybody? I'll be seeing it Monday. Yeah, I've not seen it. Uh, and okay. I, and right. I'll throw out there if you guys think there's an hour cut of Rogue One, an extra hour of footage out there. There is a Ridley Scott Kingdom of Heaven reboot of of Live by Night out here based on, I'm assuming, what we know was filmed and who we know was included. Yeah, I mean, the only reason I'm seeing it is because maybe it'll get like a production design nomination, something like that. Uh, at least it looks visually interesting. Yeah. I mean, I know we were talking for a little while about cinematography. Um, Kristen, I don't know if you felt the same way about this that I did, but I also thought like the sound... Uh, was pretty, like, pretty damn good. Like, all the gunshots, like, packed a really, really solid punch behind all of them in this movie, I felt like. Yeah, I, I 
I tend to no, ignore sound. I don't know why. It's just kind of one of those that I don't really notice right away. But, I mean, I think that the, a lot of the technical aspects are, are good. Um, so, you know, the way it's the production design, the way it looks, the way it's composed. Um, I mean, it's not fantastic, but... It was interesting to see Ben Affleck try to do a period piece. Yeah, um, I think he grows as a director in that realm. Like, he's pushing himself. I don't think he succeeds, though, in the story department. Because, like you said, there is an easily an hour of footage somewhere that and needs Terrence to be And Terrence Malick-level, like, acting. Because we all know Scott Eastwood was in the movie. He's not in the finished product, but he's nope. supposed to be there. And we make running jokes about his character all the time in the movie. Um... But I mean, I'm assuming for Affleck it was hard because the novel is, I think, a thousand pages. A thousand boring ass pages. Oh my goodness. It's a long, it's a long ass book. And it's And it touches upon a lot of subjects. It's dry as can be. So I think he had to really adapt, you know, and kind of cherry pick parts that work out, which is why it feels like four different plots shoehorned into a two hour movie. I will say... It inspired me to hope that there's uh, an idea for Ben Affleck to remake Elmer Gantry with him and Elle Fanning because Elle Fanning's side plot was really good, and I was very interested to see where that went. Well, regardless of which, uh, let's move over to uh, News of the Week here. We had a lot of the guilds start to announce their awards, BAFTA nominations, as I said before. Uh, let's start off with BAFTA. I mean... A lot of this is going to also bleed into uh, talk about the other guilds and stuff. But for the most part here, there were a couple of very, very big takeaways with BAFTA. Um, Number one, La La Land gets the most nominations. Surprise, surprise. But I think what was even bigger of a surprise was the two films that came in with the second most nominations were Arrival and Nocturnal Animals. Didn't see this one coming. Yeah, well, it's a weird thing with Nocturnal Animals because, yes, it did get a lot of below-the-line nominations and even, uh, you know, nominations for Jake Gyllenhaal, Aaron Taylor-Johnson, Tom Ford. It didn't get into Best Film. No, but Moonlight did, which underperformed in all the tech categories, but managed to get in for uh, Ali Harris screenplay, but shockingly missed out on Best Director. And that's interesting because last year, I mean, Moonlight right now is in the position that Spotlight was in a year ago. Yep. When Spotlight went to BAFTA, it didn't get a nomination for Tom McCarthy. No, and it didn't win at BAFTA either. And I've really been thinking lately, even though I have La La Land predicted for Best Picture, and I know we'll be talking a lot more about that later, I could see a case where I mentioned Manchester by the Sea before, but Moonlight could maybe make a play. Michael, uh, 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 yeah. oh, so you're finally listening to me, is what you're saying. Uh, you know what, between a third La La Land viewing and just some uh, thinking about everything that's going on in the moment... I'm joining the bandwagon, going back to La La Land, but that does not mean it's a lock by any means. I still think there's quite the race going on here. Nah, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on this. Uh, never, another takeaway from BAFTA that kind of shocked me a little bit, the foreign language film nominees, Son of Saul is included along with Tony Erdman. What wins there? Uh, let's see what else is nominated. Well, Mustang, I could tell you from last year. Oh, Mustang uh, is so good. Deepan and Julieta. Oh, yeah. oh is Deepan in there? Yeah. Oh, oh my God, that was 2016. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, what wins? 
I don't know that they're necessarily going to jump on the Tony Erdman bandwagon as easily as we think. I'm telling you right now, I think Son of Saul wins, which is funny to me because it's last year's winner. Yeah, you know what? It might very well be Son of Saul. <laughs> uh, Vermette, did you ever see Son of Saul? I did. I actually really liked that. I know. It, it, it. I'll never watch it again, but yeah, it was damn good. Yeah, but yeah, it was really good. Uh, another very interesting one here. Best documentary, OJ Made in America, did not make the cut here instead we had 13th the beatles eight days a week the touring years uh the eagle huntress notes on blindness and wiener so do we think it's uh say the eagle huntress or 13th because i don't think wiener is their cup of tea i'm gonna go out on a limb here please don't say this what I'm, I'm gonna say because i think you and i might say the same thing <laughs> you want to say it i think they might go with the beatles yeah, it's, it's a Ron Howard document directed film about the most British thing in the world. And it was a big hit too. It yes. played forever at my local art house. And I know if it played here. It's fun, yeah, it's really good. I really enjoyed it. And I really don't like Ron Howard, but I, I liked it a lot. <laughs> um I love that best animated film. It's not Zootopia, but it's Zootropolis. They had to change yeah. that for what's isn't there like um there's a legal reason they had to change it. Well, that's what it was titled in England. Yeah, because I there was a I think I forget what the logic was either there was a legal reason or there was another film or there's a theme park or something. I don't know. There was a is- specific issue. It had to be named that. Mm. It couldn't have the original name. Yeah, just scrolling along here. I mean, there's some interesting things to note with BAFTA. I actually woke up in the middle of the night when these were being announced, so I watched them uh, right after they had been posted. And then I decided to do some uh, research into the history of what gets nominated for Oscar after BAFTA. There's a lot of crossover in certain categories, and you try to find these patterns in some cases. So looking, especially in the text, this really gives us an idea of what we could look forward to on nomination morning. Uh, how so? For best makeup, you have Florence Foster Jenkins in there, which is the only film on the shortlist for Oscar. So you think then possibly because of that, you think it might win in that category at BAFTA? Yeah, I mean, I've always predicted it for Oscar too, and I think that uh, gives it a bit of a leg up for both. Mm. That's an interesting take on it. Uh, What about, say, something like... I, Daniel Blake, a film that was very, very big and is, you know, got a couple of nominations here. Best director for Ken Loach, Kristen's favorite. Uh, Best original screenplay, best supporting actress. Didn't show up in best film, but it's probably going to, I would think, win best British film, even though American Honey uh, swept the independent uh, British awards. Yeah. Which is also nominated there for best British film. You know what? There's something with uh, I, Daniel Blake. I haven't seen it yet. But I've actually been thinking this a few days ago, and I know Matt's going to think that I had a stroke here when I say this, but in terms of whether or not it translates, I know no one talks about it in terms of Oscar, but part of me thinks there's a small, 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 and we're talking like 5% at the most chance, that the tiny little director's branch of the Academy sees this Ken Loach film, and this guy is such a legend, that... Which, again, 5% maybe of these members go nomination. 
You know, we've been talking about the crazy things that the director's branch uh, could and will do, and we will certainly talk about that more when we get to DGA nominations. I want you to hold on to that thought, Michael, for I think it definitely is going to have a a play later on. Uh, And going to the acting categories, though, you know, Viggo Mortensen, once again, gets in at BAFTA, so he's got Golden Globe, SAG, BAFTA nominations. He's a lock at this point. Yep, definitely is. The Jake Gyllenhaal inclusion is nice to see because I think he was criminally underrated all season. I think everybody maybe agrees with me on this. Maybe. I still haven't seen Nocturnal Animals, so... Ah. All right. I thought it was fine. I don't know that I would give him a nomination for it. It's not surprising because he is playing dual roles and he's playing two very different sides of the coin... I think he does better work in one character than the other, which I think is more what they're leading towards, especially if you like Aaron Taylor Johnson, who also seems to be getting recognition. I think they are proving that they like the Peckinpah-esque Tom Ford as opposed to the classy Tom Ford Tom Ford, if that makes Mm. sense. Yeah, no, it definitely does here. Um, I mean, I don't really care that Jake is there. It's not like it's a bad performance being nominated. But where's Denzel Washington? Yeah. What does BAFTA have against him? Because he has never been nominated in his entire career. Him or Morgan Freeman. Yeah, what's that about? Uh, well, we know that BAFTA recently implemented some new rules about the nomination process that will take place, I think, next year, where there needs to be a level of diversity within your film, either in front or behind the camera, for your film to get nominated. So maybe there is an underlying BAFTA so white thing going on with them i i don't i i really don't know i mean listen that, that sounds maybe a little too uh crazy honestly i mean after i even said it i was like you know what that just sounds crazy to say um because i don't think it's a generalization maybe uh, i mean it could be maybe that's why they're implementing the rule but i think that it's just one of those things where maybe they think he's such a lock all the time and they just put their votes elsewhere i don't know I do not know. It's just very, very strange. Um, with that said, with him missing BAFTA now, I mean, his only hope to win the Oscar is SAG. And if he wins SAG, people are still going to consider this either a 50-50 between him and Affleck or a 75-25. But in my opinion, after the BAFTA snub, and we have to remember that BAFTA has crossover with the Academy, I think Affleck wins the Oscar regardless of what happens at SAG. But we also have to remember that, uh, and I don't remember if this was because of release date or what, but Dallas Buyers Club in 2013 did not see McConaughey or Leto get BAFTA nominations. I understand that, but McConaughey was also winning everything. And Best Supporting Actress, Viola Davis, is nominated, so it's not a release date thing. Right, I know that. I, I was just talking about specifically Dallas Buyers. Yeah, I, oh, I, I don't know what the deal with Denzel is. I, I really don't. But uh, yeah, it's just an interesting note here. For the record, uh, Fences did miss out on Best Adapted Screenplay, which is also something I suspect is going to happen at the Oscars for that film as well. Because many people have concluded that it's almost like a co- copy and paste version of the play. Uh, so... I don't know. I could see I, I if it missed a BAFTA, I could also see it missing an Oscars as well. Uh, as, as far as something that I think could make it, though, Aaron Taylor Johnson won the Golden Globe. 
he's nominated for BAFTA. Is Aaron Taylor Johnson going to bump out someone in supporting actor? Yes or no? I'm going to go based on purely feminine wiles and say yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, again, not having seen the performance, I'm going to go, I'm going to say kick-ass takes it. Why not? You know, uh, I don't have him in the five yet, but I definitely have to take him seriously at this point. Well, I want to just point out, this BAFTA 5 lineup is Aaron Taylor Johnson, Dev Patel, Hugh Grant, Jeff Bridges, and Mahershala Ali, and missing off the 5 is Lucas Hedges in Manchester by the Sea, who I suspect is the most vulnerable for Oscar, so I personally think this is our Oscar 5. Could definitely happen, but I could also see... Uh, the Academy members being so turned off by the Aaron Taylor Johnson performance in Nocturnal Animals. I could see them being turned off by the entire film, honestly. You know, I mean, I could see them turning it on their screener and being like, in the first five minutes, whoa, Nelly, (laughs) Mm -hmm. putting that one off. I mean, we've seen Oscar reward villains who are very showboaty and very florid and very like the apotheosis of evil, you know. But they're like the winking devil, though. Yeah, but but they they appreciate that based on past precedent. So, you know, it's not surprising to me. I think with with people who watch that movie, and a, and a lot of people I've seen who are just kind of like average fly by night, they remember him more than they remember Amy Adams or or Jake Shannon. Gyllenhaal or Michael Shannon. Exactly, that he's yeah. the one that stands out from that film just I because think he's that by far the MVP. Yeah, well, because, and I think because his villain, if, if we go off of kind of like the Hans Landa principle, even though I think Aaron Taylor Johnson's character is far more terrifying because he exists in reality, um, you know, I think that people are, are drawn to that more. So it wouldn't surprise me if we got kind of like a, and I know it's supporting and, and there's a whole can of worms with that, but kind of like the Anthony Hopkins win, mm-hmm. you know, just for like playing like pure evil. It could happen. Um, it really could happen. You know what also could happen as well? And I can't believe I'm going to say this. Don't say it. She has a SAG nomination and she has a BAFTA nomination. Emily Blunt in The Girl on the Train is really a thing. Mm-hmm. It still makes me giggle. <laughs> I just don't get it. I, I don't think she's terrible. I mean, she was the best part about that movie. I think her performance is awards worthy. I even said that in our podcast review. I said it in my written review. It, it's just not in the right film. I, I'm I'm completely baffled. She easily wins my personal award for best performance in a bad movie this year. Because I think she's truly great. And I also think that there is a large portion of people within the Academy that feels that she needs to get her first nomination like soon because I really think that people wanted her to contend more for Sicario. It was never going to happen, but I think people wanted it to happen. I think that they, they just wanted to simply, you know, happen. It's between her and Isabel Huppert for that final slot at this it's point. It's been 11 years almost since the devil wears Prada, which she got a golden globe nomination for even some right. Oscar talk. I mean, right. I'm sort of shocked that it hasn't happened yet. I just sort of wish that her first nomination were for a more prestigious film. I think it's funny that it's this film because it would kind of go back again. I keep I keep hating to use the term past president, but I mean, I think of they love to reward the pretty girl who doesn't wear makeup and makes herself look really quote unquote shitty 
Um, it's like if she had gained 20 pounds and they'd have been like, oh, she's so brave because she gained weight. Um, I think that that plays into it. Um, they also love when women play drunken sots. I mean, you, I, I think of like um, Lee Remick in Days of Wine and Roses. We love mm. to see the ladies deal with alcoholism. Um, so I think that that right there, again, kind of going back to this like glaring issue I have with, with Oscar, especially with actors, if she gets in, it's going to be because they think it's so brave that she's playing like this horrifically unsympathetic character who dares to not wear makeup, even though in the book she was a fat mess. <laughs> Mike, uh, you just recently saw Owl. Um, My apologies. With that, um, you know, fresh in your mind, who do you think gets into Oscar Blunt, Huppert, or both of them and somebody else gets left off? Uh, of those two, I think that Isabel Huppert does make it in at the end of the day. But then when you toss Annette Benning out, that makes it a little bit complicated because I really do think she still has a fighting chance. Uh, I think that's over at this point. Critics' Choice, Golden Globe, neither one has crossover with the Academy. SAG got Blunt in for both. Yeah, but when you look at the Academy as a whole, she's also, we have to remember, an Academy governor who's beloved for nominations has been doing not as much as someone. Like I, I'm Amy sorry. Are you talking about Annette Benning or Tom Hanks right now? Annette Benning. Uh, uh, no, I know you are. I'm just saying it, it hasn't helped Tom Hanks. Why would it help her? Because Annette Benning has not won. Tom Hanks has two. But, but Annette Benning, if she gets nominated, isn't going to win this year. Uh, I know, but I think there some people who at least want to give her like the nomination to sort of build up to the next win almost. Uh, I, I just I don't have her in the five right now, but I certainly don't think it's over for her. All right, fair enough. But uh, having just seen L today, I, I do think Hubert makes it at the end of the day. Okay then, and deservedly so. Hey guys, this is JD from the In Session Film Podcast. Every week on our show, you can join my co-host Brendan and I as we review the latest films that's out in theaters. It also inspires us to discuss a top three list of some sort, and we have a lot of other fun movie discussions as well. It's always a blast. And we also have a show on Fridays called our Extra Film Podcast. This is a show that gives us the space to talk about the latest indies and art films and other classics that we normally just don't get to talk about on our main show. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, Player FM, and more. In fact, you can just see everything about us, including our social medias at InCessionFilm.com. So join us every week. We'd absolutely love to have you. So moving over to uh, some more of the guilds now, let's uh, start off with uh, Cinema Audio Society. Cinema Audio Society is for, obviously, audio, a.k.a. sound. And we have nominated here... Motion Picture Live Action, Doctor Strange, Hacksaw Ridge, La La Land, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, and Sully. So, the question becomes this. I mean, I think we all assume La La Land is going to win for Best Sound Mixing at the Oscars. I'm pretty confident in that statement. But, does anybody else feel that we could see a win for Hacksaw Ridge here and... I mean, listen, I know Ke- I know Kevin O'Connell's name is not on the ballot when they vote. Otherwise, if they saw that name, they'd be like, isn't that the guy that's been nominated 20 times and has never won an Oscar? But does anybody think that La La Land has any competition here? 
Not really. Maybe Hacksaw, like you just said, but I think Lala does take it at the end of the day. All right. It was worth bringing up. By the way, speaking of the sound mix in La La Land, I saw the IMAX uh, version today. And in the opening, I know some people had trouble hearing Another Day of Sun, the opening words to that. They cleaned it up, and it sounds so much better now in this re-release version. Good. So I don't know if that helps it or what it does. It's just worth noting, I think. Awesome. Yeah, I'm going to be seeing that on Tuesday. I'm excited. Uh, Visual Effects Society also released their nominations as well. Uh, there's a lot of different categories for a lot of different reasons here. So there's like a, outstanding visual effects in a uh, photoreal feature. There's outstanding supporting visual effects in a supporting uh, in a photoreal feature. There's visual effects in an animated feature. There's there's a lot of different things here. There's animated performance, created environments, et cetera, et cetera. So really the big ones here are for the visual effects in a photoreal feature and supporting visual effects. Uh, the nominees for uh, visual effects in a photoreal feature are Doctor Strange, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, and The Jungle Book. And then in supporting visual effects, uh, Allied, Deepwater Horizon, Jason Bourne, Silence, and Sully. I mean, realistically here, I I think I still maintain that Doctor Strange, Rogue One, and The Jungle Book all get in at Oscar. I think two slots are open. And with those two slots, it can go really anywhere. Captain America Civil War, Deepwater Horizon. I mean... There's a lot, a lot of choices to go with here. I mean, I don't, I don't know where it's going to go. I really don't know. Could go to a rival. Kubo. Kubo and the two strings. You know, that's crazy to me that Kubo has made it so far still. The BFG. But you you really think the BFG? Joe Letary. Don't doubt him. I mean, I... Uh, they go by the name half the time. If they went by the name, Roger Deakins would have a fucking Oscar already. No, in terms of the nomination... Remember, the branch picks the nominations and they know who it is. The Academy as a whole picks the winners and they don't see the names. Ah, oh, damn it. When it comes to a nom, they're going to know the names of their pals and their friends. Ah, uh, all right. That's how this game works. Crazy. Moving over to makeup. Uh, the makeup hairstylists uh, guild awards uh, nominations were announced. And we had, once again, a couple of different categories here we had for um contemporary makeup contemporary hairstyling period makeup period hairstyling really nominations were all over the place here i mean we're talking deadpool showed up suicide squad star trek doctor strange fantastic beasts and where to find them zoolander 2 which (laughs) how the hell does zoolander 2 end up on anyone's end of year awards is beyond me did you see it yeah. Was the makeup good at least? It's I listen to me, Michael. Nothing about Zoolander 2 is good. Period. Nothing about Zoolander 1 was good. And yet for some reason people still seem to care about it so much all these years later. I don't understand. Terrence Malick loves it apparently. Get out of here. That's no, got to be a joke. You didn't know this? No, no, no. No. Zoolander is one of Terrence Malick's five favorite films apparently. What? That's not helping to stick the nail in the coffin of why I hate Terrence Malick. <laughs> a couple of years ago, he was asked to curate like a special film festival for a museum in Texas, I believe. 
and he was picking his favorite films, and he included Zoolander. That's just ridiculous. I'm I'm moving on to the next guild. I can't even process that information that you just told me right now. Costume Designers Guild, uh, fantasy film, period film, contemporary film. Uh, and I'm going to also just say for the record, I don't think La La Land has the Oscar for costumes necessarily locked. So I think this is very interesting, the nominees that were put forward in these three separate categories that could Are potentially you challenge it. a nomination or a win for La La Land? I'm talking about a win. Okay, yeah, I don't think that either, but definitely a nom. Yeah, uh, so for fantasy film, Costume Designer Guilds put forth Doctor Strange, Fantastic Beasts, and Where to Find Them. Kubo and the Two Strings, which is, I, I think, a first. I don't think an animated film has ever been nominated by this guild before. Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. Uh, I really honestly don't know what wins. Maybe Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them potentially yeah i think that's the one that's going to get an oscar nomination colleen atwood Mm -hmm. i think in terms of just costumes like miss peregrine's had like the coolest variety of costumes yeah we must never underestimate tim burton and what he can do in this category and was that colleen atwood also i do not remember uh but i do know this period film uh we had the dressmaker Florence Foster Jenkins. Hail Caesar, Michael. Yeah, I think that's going to get in for Oscar, too. I'm excited. Hidden Figures and Jackie. Uh, I keep hearing a lot of people saying they think Hidden Figures could happen for Oscar. I don't see that happening. I think Florence Foster Jenkins gets in at Oscar. Yeah. I mean, based on what we've said already, it's potentially possible now we're looking at La La Land, Fantastic Beasts, Where to Find Them, Florence Foster Jenkins, Hail Caesar, and then the fifth nomination has to come from somewhere. Maybe Jackie? Uh, what do I have right now? I have predicted for Oscar, La La Land, Fantastic Beasts, uh, Florence Foster Jenkins, Hail Caesar, yeah, and Jackie. I think uh, Allied misses at the end of the day. Yeah, because it didn't show up here in uh, the period films. Yeah, that's sort of criminal. No matter what you think of the movie, those costumes that Marion Cotillard gets to wear are pretty stunning. Right. I agree. And uh, sadly, no uh, Dante Ferretti for silence. Don't remind me right now. There is a trend I was going to get to in a little bit here. Um, Contemporary film, absolutely fabulous to movie. Captain Fantastic, La La Land, Lion, Nocturnal Animals. Am I the only one that sees a day where Nocturnal Animals possibly wins out over La La Land here? At the Guild, not Oscar. At, at the Guild, yes. Mm, I'm not sure. Well. I mean, I wouldn't be stunned if Absolutely Fabulous took it. Hmm. Did you see that? I actually didn't, because uh, I saw bits and pieces of the TV show, never enough of a fan to really see the movie. But... I, I know what the costumes are like there, and in terms of contemporary looks, that's uh, very much in the same vein of Devil Wears Prada mm-hmm. or something like that. Well, moving on to uh, another award here. The USC Scripter nominations were announced recently, and the uh, five nominated films for that were Arrival, Fences, Hidden Figures, Lion, and Moonlight. 
and USC Scripter is mostly uh, an award for an adaptation of a previously published work. Uh, this usually can help us out sometimes with our Oscar predictions, not just for nominations, but also sometimes for a win as well. So, I, I mean... What's really astonished me lately with adapted screenplay is just how strong Arrival has positioned itself in this category. Was anybody else uh, taken aback and caught off guard by that? So I have a confession to make. You haven't seen Arrival. I don't like Arrival. (gasps) Me too. Wow. I think it's like so overrated. Like I couldn't wait to see it and then I saw it and I was like, all right, it's, it's okay. Yeah, I'm not in love with it. Not the way, you know, a lot of people are. So, wait a minute. Let me get this straight. It's not that you don't like it. Were you just underwhelmed by it? Like, disappointed? I definitely didn't hate it. It's definitely not something that, like, it's not like Girl on the Train level where I was like, this is a piece of garbage. But uh, I just, I didn't get it. I watched it. I'm like, I just don't get what all the hype and, like, the hubbub is about. It must be a Michael thing. (laughs) Maybe. I know, because Kristen, where do you fall in the camp with Arrival? Um, it's not surprising. I mean, it is based on a short story, um, which I haven't read. So, I know a lot of people that like it. I think it's just okay. There we go. See? You're on the outside, Neglia. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, you all may not like Arrival, and I might be in the other camp on this matter here, but... There's a lot of people that agree with me, so I'm, I, I definitely don't feel unsupported or alone in this case. I actually feel pretty good about the whole thing, which leads me to uh, something that was really, really cool this week. Uh, the ASC nominees were also announced, the American Cinematographers Society, and Bradford Young, with arrival, has become the first ever African-American cinematographer to be nominated here, and if he is nominated at the Oscars, he will also be the first African-American cinematographer to be nominated for cinematography. So, that alone should be something to root for when it comes to arrival, personally, whether or not you are high on the film, in my opinion. But also nominated here was uh, Linus Sangren for La La Land, Rodrigo Prieto for Silence, James Laxton for Moonlight, and Greg Frazier for Lion. Do you guys think that this all lines up with Oscar? Yeah, I do. Maybe? <laughs> yeah, I think pretty much. I mean, I I don't know if I have an opinion either way. I mean, I just I think this race is still highly unpredictable, so I never want to say definitively that it's it could translate. I don't know. I'm just I'm so nervous declaring anything right now. <laughs> Well, what about Seamus McGarvey showing up for uh, Nocturnal Animals, potentially? Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> and then Jackie can maybe get into it, Oscar. I-, I actually have Jackie in instead of Lion right now, but I can see... I had Jackie instead of Moonlight, but I put Moonlight in after the Guild. Yeah. Oh, I th- I've, I've always thought Moonlight was going to get in. That was some of the best cinematography I saw all year. I do think that we could say goodbye to Live By Night here. Yeah. Yes, that is officially done. Um... A lot of people are expecting a bad day for uh, silence. Uh, do we still think it gets into cinematography? Yes. I could see it because I think the cinematography is the only thing that we can all agree is is really good. Again, it's Rodrigo Prieto, and it's the branch who likes him. So I don't think we have a reason to worry there. All right. 
And now we arrive to the two really big guilds this week, uh, the PGA and the DGA. Let's start off with the Producers Guild of America nominations as they do pick 10 films uh, and they also pick their winner by a preferential ballot just like the Oscars do. They've been a pretty good predictor for Best Picture unlike uh, last year though where they ended up picking the big short to win and eventually Spotlight won at the Oscars. And they also do tend to match for the most part, uh, with the films that are nominated for Best Picture. I mean, you could take the 10 films they have here, select your 8 or 9 from this 10 for the most part. Um, it's very rare that we get a film from the outside that comes into play. But the films that they have selected as the 10 best films of the year are Arrival, Deadpool, emphasis on that one, Fences, Hacksaw Ridge, Hell or High Water, Hidden Figures, La La Land, Lion, Manchester by the Sea, and Moonlight. No Sully, no Silence, Deadpool. Yeah, Matt, how does that feel that Deadpool got nominated and Silence didn't? Does that hurt? Shut the fuck up, all right? I am... uh, Yes. Yes. I would say it's what most... that, That 10 is what most people would bring up. That those movies all ended up on a lot of year end lists. Deadpool? Oh yeah, I know a lot of people that went to <laughs> that go to bat for Deadpool. I think it's a fine movie. I I don't get the huge like need to fillet it, but okay. I love superheroes. It's it's fine. It's fine by any measure. It's you know good even. Definitely the best of the Fox uh, Marvel movies. But, like, it's not year-end best of material. Like, it give me a break. Come on. I'm seeing a lot of articles online that are saying, should we be talking about Deadpool for a Best Picture nomination? I'm not even going to entertain the idea of that. So, somebody else asked the question, because I'm not going to even ask it. Uh, I'm hoping that Deadpool makes it just to piss you off, Matt. It's going to be awesome. I'd quit the Oscar race if that happened. <laughs> I'd, You'd be back next year. I'd go into my political career immediately. I'd just say goodbye. We're done. I think it's. I think it's fine. I. I don't know if that translates into Oscar. I think if it did, it would be trying to get the the kids, quote unquote. It would be trying to show like, hey, we're with it. We're cool. We nominated Deadpool for Best Picture. I. I do think that it does open up a lot of doors if it gets nominated. And it also will drive us all insane, I think, in the coming years as a result, because we'll always have to try and scurry around and figure out where the next Best Picture nominee is coming from, because it's such a odd pick. It's from it's a February release date R-rated superhero film. It's just so weird. Here's the thing, though. This is just my opinion. With Deadpool and the Oscars, like, I think there is a small chance it could get nominated, just because of the fact that, like, year over year, the Oscars have been doing, like, worse and worse with, like, people watching the actual Oscars. So Deadpool is something that most people have seen, or at least heard of, and it could pull in, like, an audience that maybe, you know, doesn't go see Manchester by the Sea, or doesn't go see Moonlight. Somebody that, you know, the general casual audience is like, oh, I'm gonna watch the Oscars because Deadpool is nominated, I've seen that. Yeah, but is that something that 300 members are going to consider when they're voting? I, I see, that's the thing. I, I, I think that 300 number, 
I don't see 300 people doing it. 150 people, maybe, but 300, no. I just don't get any of this Deadpool stuff. To me, it's the film equivalent of Trump winning the presidency. It's just <laughs> absurd. But yet did happen. Well, be very, very grateful, Michael, that it isn't going to happen. Um, the real question on everybody's minds right now, and I'm going to ask everybody right here, right now, which film wins the PGA? La La Land. I, yeah, I would, I would say La La Land. Absolutely La La Land. I am picking Moonlight. I think that's number two. I'm picking Moonlight because I think that La La Land is going to win the DGA. I think Moonlight's going to win the SAG, and I want this race to be competitive. <laughs> that's it. I, yeah, I, I think my brain says La La Land is going to win, but my heart wants Moonlight to win just so that we can uh, be held in suspense up until the envelope is opened up on Oscar night. Because if La La wins... Quite honestly, we won't have much to talk about over these next couple of weeks, in my opinion. The, just all the suspense will be gone. It'll be unequivocal that uh, La La Land is going to win, and that's that. But if Moonlight wins the PGA, it makes things a lot more interesting. I mean, I think we all don't want kind of an open and shut season. And, and this would certainly be in a year where things have not gone as we all anticipated it wouldn't surprise me if something comes out of nowhere and and ends up being this late in the game front runner but at this point i think maybe oscar might be the one like bright spot of like we can rely on that we know what we know something is true and i think that might be the the la la land love that one nice shining beacon of something reliable <laughs> But on the flip side of that, though, I can see how a Moonlight win would be a fuck you to uh, the Trump presidency and people that disagree with it and how it's a, it's a statement, ultimately, having Moonlight win Best Picture from yeah, Hollywood. Yeah, but, I, I, but it, in that case, I think of King's Speech versus Social Network season when we all said this was going to be the year that the old guard, the old white men that predominantly make up the Academy we're going to get it stuck to by the young upstarts who were going to go with the Facebook movie, and that didn't happen. So yeah. I, I don't know. I'm tending to believe that unfor even though the Academy is getting more diverse, they ain't that diverse yet. <laughs> nope. And with that said, the final guild of the week, the DGA, the Directors Guild of America, they have uh, a couple different categories. Uh, best documentary was... Otto Bell for The Eagle Huntress, Ezra Edelman for O.J. Made in America, Josh Kriegman and Elise Steinberg for Wiener, Raul Peck for I Am Not Your Negro, and Roger Ross Williams for Life Animated. Um, no Ava DuVernay for 13th. As a result, I think Ezra Edelman takes this for O.J. Made in America. That would be great. It's such a well-directed film, and uh, good for Ezra, too. Am I the only one that still thinks I Am Not Your Negro might... Make I know everybody who has seen that. Every single person I've talked to who's watched that movie has said it's better than OJ. I have not seen it, so I can't comment. I have a screener. It's been sitting for a while. I should probably watch it at some point. I just haven't had the time. But I know a lot of people who really, really love that movie. It'll get a nomination. Best film debut. Garth Davis for Lion. Tip Miller for Deadpool. 
Kelly Fremont Craig for the age of 17. Yes. Dan Trachtenberg for Tent Cloverfield Lane. And Nate Parker for The Birth of a Nation. Trey Edward Schultz for Cretia was left off, and so was Robert Eggers for The Witch. And so was James Seamus for Indignation. No one is talking about that film in award season, Michael. Give it up. <laughs> uh, not yet. I, I, I can't. I can't. I can't. It's, it's my silence. Uh, either, either way, though, um, okay, you know what? I'll give it to you, though, because quite honestly, uh, he is the former CEO of Focus Features. Uh, he's got some industry clout. It was, you know, well-reviewed. Okay. Well, I'll tell you this much. I never expected to see Nate Parker's name brought up again. Yeah, and I don't know how deserving it is because I take the whole controversy aside. Just looking at Birth of a Nation as a film, like film criticism, it's not such a well-directed film, I don't think. But I like the energy that it has. So, I mean, on one hand, I'm not crazy about the nomination. On the other hand, sort of good for him in there. It's conflicting. There's passion behind it. Yes. And you don't see that in a whole lot of films. And I echo, by the way, your sentiments regarding The Edge of Seventeen. Love that nomination. And also good for Dan Trattenberg. I really love Ten Cloverfield Lane. Yes. Ten Cloverfield Lane's awesome. Uh, Garth Davis for Lion is going to win this, though. And I'm going to tell you why in just a second. Because Best Feature Film. Damien Chazelle for La La Land. Barry Jenkins for Moonlight. Kenneth Lonergan for Manchester by the Sea. Denis Villeneuve for Arrival. And Garth Davis for Lion. So, clearly, he's going to win for debut director. You know, a lot of people are looking at the Garth Davis nomination and scratching their head as to how it happened. But when I see that, it's so simple. Television directors. Yup. The DGA is not What was it, top, top of Lake? Top of the Lake and a lot of other Australian TV programs. That pushed him right in. Not to mention he does get an amazing performance out of uh, the child actor, uh, Sonny Parwa. And people know for a fact that a lot of that has to do with the director when it comes to directing kids. The film is pretty damn good. Uh, You know, he's not really been in conversation so much uh, throughout the season. And him showing up here has now put him into the conversation. And I think people might be... What's the word I'm looking for here? People might be underrating him uh, when it comes to him being maybe included at the Oscars, but uh, 300 members of the Academy directing branch, I don't see them going for him. Plus, there hasn't been a year where DGA matched Oscar in directing, I think, since uh, the late 2000s. Yeah. So one of these people will most likely miss at Oscars. Um, I, I think it's going to be Davis. Yeah, but uh, as our good friend Will, who's in Australia right now, told us, that uh, he reminded us that the Academy's director branch does not always embrace sci-fi. We saw them snub Christopher Nolan twice, Ridley Scott just last year. So is there a situation where Denis Villeneuve misses out? Uh, Well, so here's the thing about Denis Villeneuve's direction of Arrival, is that Christopher Nolan was more like action summer blockbuster directing and Ridley Scott's The Martian I don't think Ridley Scott really was as much of a standout in directing that film as much as Tom McCarthy wasn't really much of a standout for directing Spotlight you know it was just typical 
point the camera and shoot. Yeah, there's some special effects involved, but I think people were just getting up on the fact that it's Ridley Scott. It was like a name thing with him last year in The Martian, that that's what kept him in the conversation so much. I think that with Villeneuve, I think that he does what something that uh, Barry Jenkins does with Moonlight, where he takes um, an artistic approach to towards the subject matter and helps to elevate it through his directing. So I think he's in. I think Kenneth Lonergan is definitely in. I mean, I, I, I hear the sci-fi thing. I do, but... While I don't see this as being like a technical achievement like Alfonso Cuaron, I don't also see this having necessarily the sci-fi biasness thrown at it because it's not um, a, a blockbuster movie. It's a heady drama at the end of the day. Right, and that's uh, what I think gets it in at the end. I just want to consider because it's definitely something that we've noticed in the past. Yeah, and those nine BAFTA nominations really helped a lot this week. That said, who do we think gets in if one of these men are to miss? I don't think it's Mel Gibson because I think this uh, puts a nail in the coffin there for him. Yeah, no, because the, the DGA is more populist. Um, so they're going to go with either that TV director or um, someone just more generally popular by name. So if Gibson couldn't show up here, there's no way he's showing up with the director's branch. I think it's either Scorsese or Pablo Lorraine for Jackie. I actually don't think it's either of them. You know who I'm thinking? Who? I think it's going to be David McKenzie. Hell or High Water? Yes. Do you remember nomination morning last year when Lenny Abramson got in for room? I do. 300 members. Now, Scorsese definitely has a shot with these people, but I think David McKenzie is in the same exact boat that Lenny Abramson was in last year, and I've heard a lot of other pundits echo the same sentiments. So I have him predicting it in the five right now. Hell or High Water has shown up nearly everywhere this season. And if it's that strong of a Best Picture contender, we should really be thinking about it for Best Director as well. What do you guys think? It's possible. That's that's all I can say this year. Yeah, I mean, I think Silence is kind of dead on arrival at this point. I don't think it's it's kept in. Which has uh, been the narrative I was uh, building up to this entire time. Silence, other than um, that lone supporting visual effects nod, Cinematographer, ASC nomination, not a single BAFTA nomination, no PGA, no DGA, no Golden Globes, no WGA. Uh, I mean. And it tanked this weekend in the box office, but it doesn't matter because Ballast closed yesterday. And it was it was expected to tank anyway. Paramount did such a shit job with this film, uh, not just with award season, but promoting the film, everything. It's like, I, I don't care if the film wasn't finished, uh, you know, when they were hoping it was going to be finished by, and if it was finished last minute, they should have at least had a poster, something. And you know what I mean? And it could have been one of those posters where you don't even need to show images from the film or, or anything, but they didn't do any of that. You know, it's like they, it's like they didn't care. They just, you know, it's that it's that Martin Scorsese mentality of one for you and one for me. Well, this one's for Marty and nobody gives a shit. I mean, the marketing is definitely troublesome because I did not see any ads for this on television. Um, yeah, not at all. Most of most of the promotion I saw was in before films in theaters. Um, but I know that going to see it yesterday, where I was the youngest person in the theater, the median age was about sixty. Um, 
a lot of people were turned off by that runtime. That two hours and 40 minutes, we had six walkouts out of 20 people that were in that theater. Six people got up and left because I think that the runtime just really turns people off. The fact that it's not being touted as a Scorsese film, which I'm sure he doesn't want people, you know, to assume things about him, you know, the film based on his past films, but it's a, it's very, after it was over, I, I was telling people, I, it's very easy to see why this is not hitting with people. It's a long, sl- uh, I, one of the critics that I talked to said, it's a chore, and that's very true. You know what, I can't speak to that because I haven't seen it. I'll see it on Sunday afternoon, but uh, Ann Thompson called it a noble failure. I can't believe we're saying that because we talked about Billy Lynn's long halftime walk in those terms early this year, and this is not that. I think it's also important to point out that in because of how many the because of that runtime, my theater only showed it three times a day, so you're not getting the amount of people that are able to decide if you show up at the movie spontaneously and you're like, oh, what's playing? You have either a chance to see silence in the afternoon and waste your afternoon or you have to go at night and get home really really late so i think that's the other thing is that people it's not something you can really drop into on a sunday because it's going to take so much time out of your day i was kind of i kind of agree with Kristen. like i was looking to see it today actually and the times are like crazy for it like she said there's like maybe four or five times throughout the day and it's playing in only a handful of theaters. Yeah, same here. When I go tomorrow, it's like 30 minutes away. Yeah, it's not an accessible movie to go and see. Yeah, we have, my theater is showing it at noon, 6.50, and 10. So you're my getting out about 1 o'clock. Yeah, there was, yeah, the times are crazy. I've made my thoughts known on this. Um, Paramount has done a really shit job. Just a really, really, really terrible job. And they've put all of their forces behind fences and Arrival. And then quite frankly, in my opinion, I think Arrival's going home empty-handed on Oscar morning when it comes to wins. And I also think that Fences, other than Viola Davis, I don't think it's getting any nominations other than her in Washington. I don't think it's going to be in picture or screenplay. You don't? Or Denzel for director. No, I don't. I took it out recently out of my predictions. So. Oh, my. I, I think that they have all their focuses in the wrong uh, area. I think that Silence, if they had put some more effort behind it, could have gotten the nominations. I don't know about wins, but I think it could have easily have gotten in. But you know what? It, it here, here's, here's the only thing that's given me a little bit of hope here. If Martin Scorsese can get a Best Director nomination for The Last Temptation of Christ, and that can be that film's only Oscar nomination... I want to believe that he can get in for Silence, which I think is a better film. Maybe, maybe, maybe. We're all going to need to have a discussion after we've all seen Silence. Hmm. Yeah, we are. But until then, uh, let's get out of here. Kristen, where can I find you on the internet? I am at uh, on Twitter at Journeys underscore film. Michael? On Twitter at Mike Movie. And Mike from Matt. Yeah, also on Twitter at VampDT89. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, where you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn, Google Play, Stitcher, Player FM Radio. You can leave us a review also on iTunes, which we would greatly, greatly appreciate. Thank you so much again for listening, and we will see you all next time.
Hey there. I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. See you soon.